friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Well, welcome. This is Girlfriend It. I'm Patty Wyatt, and I am your host today. And a few questions for you. Have you ever thought, who am I? What do I want to do with my life? Am I in my perfect calling? I think most of us ask those questions at some point in our lives. And right now, especially, we live in an era where we expect our job to be more than just a paycheck. Uh, The money still matters, of course, but we want to stay in an organization with a fun culture. Uh, We want to make an impact or we just want to leave a legacy. Research shows that we are looking for those feelings of trust, um, connection, and we spend most of our waking hours working. So that's a strong desire to have that trust, to be connected to other human beings. So it's natural that we want to um, connect with our team members since we're spending so much time almost as if it's our work marriage. Even though we're sitting in our own homes, we're on Zoom, um, staring at other people, and we want to enjoy what we do. If we don't have this, work can seem lonely and isolating. It lacks attachments. Um, Therefore, we're not fully energized or motivated to put our whole selves into our roles. So our guest today, entrepreneur Zan Ofterheide, a founder of Zan Auctions and a stand-up comic, she is going to share how she faced her fears and is continuing to face her fears as she unpacks her purpose and her bliss. Welcome, Zan. And I hope I didn't like totally bundle up your name too badly. You did such a great job. I tell you, when anybody introduces me, because I just, for a living, I get introduced on stage and somebody inevitably, an MC will come over and they'll go, excuse me, how do you pronounce your last name? And I'll go, you don't. I mean, come on. Like, it's too much. It's verbal algebra. You know, it's enough. And I feel like my first name being Zan, that does the job of identification. There will not be another here tonight. Yeah. So just Zan. Zan, Zan is like share. I mean, you do own it. It's like Zan, but yeah, that Ofterheide, it's just, you know, it, it, it's not, it doesn't sound, I love that. what did you say? Verbal algebra. Algebra. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just all the letters. It's like yeah, A-F-A-U-P-U-D-H-E-I-D-E. It's, it's just a, a funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes I used to do this when people would be writing down my name and they'd ask me to spell it and I'd end, I'd try to end in the H-E-I-D-E and then I'd go S-K-O-W-S-K-I, <laughs> whatever, and just keep going. I'm like, no. anyway, enough of this. Yes. They yeah. after had. You said it like a sister. All, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just have to say, first of all, thank you. It's an honor to have you on the show. And I, I want to dive in because you're doing so many exciting things. And for better or worse, we live in a culture obsessed with fortune and fame. You know, we are, we're driven by money or status, and we think that that will lead to happiness, I guess. Uh, and you see, you know, pro athletes and celebrities, especially you living in Los Angeles, but, but yet they're over here struggling with addiction or depression, and they end up with broken lives, broken families, 
And as, as a matter of fact, you, you probably have heard this already, but um, I'm a little slow on, on learning some of the statistics, but 78% of all NFL players go bankrupt or they fall into severe financial stress within two years of retirement. And that's just crazy to me. So what if we decided it wasn't about the money, but it was about discovering what we love to do and how our gifts, our talents can impact and influence others. And that way we're leaving this legacy. It's our choice, right? It's our choice in how we want to take our small story and insert it into a larger story. And you have done that, Zan. I, I met you a decade ago. You were actually um, on stage with your um, in your comedy bliss. And I have found out since then that you, you've kind of left that world a little bit because of a few things that I'll let you share as to why you decided, hmm, I think I'm going to reinvent oh. myself. Yeah, yeah. So comedy had been going. I was very lucky with comedy. It doesn't matter, but shot out of the shot out of the gate pretty hard with that, and went on national tours, and you know, did all the clubs in Vegas, and yeah, yada yada yada. But uh, it ended up being very self-deprecating comedy and catering to the lowest common denominator in all of these, you know, venues across the country to try to make people laugh. And I decided after a, maybe eight years, a decade of doing that, I didn't, I kept, I didn't want to keep putting myself down. I didn't want to keep hearing myself say, oh yeah, well, I can't marry the guy, the guy that I choose to date because X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. And I thought if I keep saying that to the universe, you know, the universe is going to keep giving me more of that. I was like, I don't want to, I want to grow and change. I don't want to keep myself as this person who is making fun of themselves because they made poor choices all the time. I want to grow up. I want to not make poor choices all the time. Mm. You know, I want to be doing better. And it was it was really hard to take a step away from comedy because it is such a different lifestyle and such a different, mm, it's just such a different way of being that we, comics, we call non-comics civilians because we've, <laughs> We're just a certain way in a certain mindset in a certain path in life, and y'all aren't, and we call them civilians. And so, <laughs> and and I thought, well, when I turn away from comedy, if I leave comedy, what's everybody going to think? What are people going to think? And I cannot believe that I cared about what people think because we mm. all know this in the end. Ain't nobody thinking about me. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares whether I do comedy or not. They just care if I'm happy or not. Nobody cares. What, you know what I mean? They're not invested whether I do comedy. They're like, are you happy? So the way I found what I'm doing now, which is benefit auctioneer, I'm a benefit auctioneer specialist. So I raise money for good causes, you know, forever homes for foster children or cures for diabetes, cancer, that sort of thing. I help fundraise. And then I get on stage and I actually sell the, you know, live auction items to people at galas and stuff. So the way I found that was I was a comic in New York City at the time, and I was um, in and out of great clubs, Gotham Comedy Club, and I'd either open or follow Jim Gaffigan, and, and uh, you know, gosh, if you, you know, you get to be a comic, you're walking down the street in New York after a show, and Jim Gaffigan hails you down, is like, hey, hey, <laughs> you're like, you got to. I remember looking behind me going, there's, he's got to be, there's got to be somebody behind me. He's got, there's like, I'm, do, do not act like this is for you, Zan. He is not waving at you. <laughs> anyway, he was, he gave me some advice, yada, yada. But it was at that point that I turned away. And I tell you that, uh, like that week, my, I'm, I'm on the subway. My best friend calls me, who I've been best friends with since I was 13. And she goes, Zan, she goes, I just saw a, um, 
an auction last night, a, a benefit auction. And there is this woman who is a tall drink of water, just like you. She was Scandinavian like you and everything, everything she did. I'd hit my husband, Jeff, and I'd say, Zan could do that. He'd go, yep. Zan could do that. He'd go, yep. And, um, both of them are so put together. When they give you advice, you listen. Those are just two very solid individuals. And so she goes, have you ever thought about being an auctioneer? And I said, Jen, you might as well have said, have you ever thought about being a snowman? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was snowing outside at the time. And I was just like, what? And um, she talked me into it. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds okay. So we, she helped me talk about being in it together. She helped me find an auction school, which it was all serendipity. I thought, oh, well, okay, fine. If you got to go to auction school, fine. I'll find something in New York. Well, there wasn't one in New York. I couldn't believe it. The only one or the one of the top two in the country was back in my hometown of Indianapolis at the time. And it started like two days after my sublet was over and I, in New York. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Everything just kept lining up. I was like, fine, I'll go back home and I'll do this for two weeks or however long the class was. And I was like, okay. Then they were like, take a test to see if you pass the, you know, the state board or whatever to become licensed. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to take, oh, fine, I'll take the test. <laughs> and so I got licensed, you know. And then, and then, you know, one thing would lead to another. And they'd be like, okay, now you should, you should probably join the National Auctioneers Association. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. Well, don't you know, now I'm on the board of the Committee of Education of putting together their conference. You know, um, So <laughs> everything that I said, I'm not going to, I was like, I'm not going to do. I basically backed up and fell over this career. Don't get me wrong. It, I, it was a lot of work, too. It really has been a lot of work, but it's very, very, very fulfilling. And, and I love and what I do. So. That's the thing, Zan. It's a it's hard work because so many people they look at someone like you who you know you were successful as you were going down the, the comedy path and now you're successful uh, as an auctioneer, and it's like well yeah you can just hot pass, but yet you are highly disciplined. You have been working your buhaini off. I know right now you're even in Toastmasters. So tell us a little bit about that. Like it, it is hard work and it's not something, even though it came upon you. And I think that that happens naturally when you're really good at a skill and those are your strengths, it just kind of falls into place, but it doesn't mean you're not working at it daily. That's right. You turn, you think you want to get rid of your nine to five. Well, what you're going to start doing is working 5 a.m. to 9 mm -hmm. p.m. I mean, there were a lot of 12 hour days, at least in my life when I um, starting my job. And I try not to do that to myself anymore because I became a workaholic. I became so dedicated to learning how to be an entrepreneur because being a comedian, I never had to e-sign a contract. I just, you just don't, you just show up and you get a, a check and some nachos and that's it. So <laughs> when, when I had to e-sign my first contract as an entrepreneur, it took me two hours of researching it and Googling it, how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I literally cried. And then I hit the couch and pulled the covers over my head. I was just like, mm -hmm. I just, I, what is this? And I worked so hard in, for a couple of years that I would give myself an eye twitch mm. and other things. So, so, there, so it is, we make it look easy. But even yeah. when I would do comedy, you know, and I would I would go down and do five minutes before or after Jim Gaffigan at, at Gotham or wherever, anywhere, I'd spend five hours working on comedy before I went down there. And nobody's paying me for that. 
and you know an hour on a subway to get and walk somewhere to a club so you're spending six hours just to get there Mm -hmm. then you don't go on for another hour so there's seven hours and then there's an hour home so that's eight hours that you just put in to do five minutes of comedy and nobody's paying you for any of it Mm -hmm. but eventually you can put that five minutes into something where somebody will be paying you so yeah it takes a lot of work and dedication and it takes for comedy it took putting on my comedy boots after a long day at work when everybody else is done with their day of work and you want to go home and put your feet up and you have to just whatever take a shower and change and get out the door and go do it so yeah it's a lot of hard work it really is yeah and i and i think a lot of that it's it's cultivating like your well-being because it's hard work and yet there's freedom in it because it's your choice. It's your, you have the autonomy and the ownership and that kind of nourishes your mind knowing somebody's not telling you. I, I think I'm the same way when it comes to signing contracts, I sign contracts. Um, just, I, I am a corporate trainer. And so whatever organization that I contract out to it, it, <laughs> it puts you in a little bit of a panic mode. It's those things that you have freedom, but yet, you're putting, you're giving your life to somebody else when you are moving <laughs> with them and partnering with them. And especially mm-hmm. when it's like, Hey, next year, you know, 2023, August this week, can we have you, you know, doing this conference or whatever? And you're going, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Please don't make me, you know, put my, <laughs> put my name in for a year from yeah. now. And there's, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Well, there's just a little bit of, of, panic there and yet it 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 cultivates a strong sense of purpose it you know it helps you focus and I when you were talking about that it made me think of sometimes you do have to write those things down you do have to have a contract you do even to your goal like you are 42 percent more likely to achieve your goals if you're writing them down and this gives you purpose to jump out of bed every morning and and make those things happen but you were you were going to say something Oh, I put those goals. I agree with you. I put those goals. I write them down and I put them where in my kitchen above my sink because I'm doing the dishes all the time. Why? Because I'm little miss control and perfectionist and all that. Be whatever. Anyway, they're where I look the most, sadly, which is doing dishes. So anyway, my goals are up there with little, you know, I put little gold stars next to them or whatever, and um, I can check them off. So I'm staring at them going, okay, join Toastmasters or win a Toastmasters contest is my goal for the year, right? Mm. So if I see that all the time, it's gonna make me more dedicated to A, finally joining Toastmasters, and B, really showing up to the meetings, which again, who wants to sit in front of their computer for another hour to do another Zoom? It's not fun, but it gets me towards my goal. And that's awesome. And people say, well, why are you even joining Toastmasters? Why are you bothering with filling out these forms that drive you crazy for them and entering the contests? What's that about? Because you're already a comic and you're already an auctioneer. And I'm like, yeah, but those are two different kinds of of speaking. It doesn't have anything to do with the structure of a, of a keynote speech is way different than being able to do just stand-up comedy about any weird thing that doesn't need a segue. I could talk about buildings and boyfriends back to back and it makes perfect, who cares, doesn't matter, it makes perfect sense. With auctions, I'm a vehicle for my client and I love doing that and being an ambassador, but that also doesn't have to do with what I've been through in life and what I wanna share. And we spoke earlier about my mother's suicide and I finally wanna get a handle on that. And I joined Toastmasters to be able to, 
speak about it eloquently and in a way that helps other people through an experience like that. And, you know, I've got 25 years of experience of having lived with that and I can help newer people walk through things to expect and things that are their new normal and things like that. Um, and so, so Toastmasters is helping me with that. It's helping me become what I want to be, which is a keynote speaker. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't ever want to stop doing auctions. I love doing auctions, but I'm always like, well, how do I grow? I know myself. I, I did comedy for 10 years. I'm, I, I, and then I did auctions. So I know there's probably going to be a what's next. So I'm in the phase now of formulating what's my next, what's my also, what else do I have to share with the world? Surely all the pain I've been through isn't just for me to sit in and get through. Hopefully it'll help other people get through theirs. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, Zan. I love that you shared that because when you say that, how do I want to grow? Uh, I I think that if we're not growing and we're not continuously um, trying to uh, uh, just reinvent ourselves, then that's when apathy happens. Like if you're not going, okay, what does that look like? If I don't have any goals, if I'm lacking that purpose in my life, as a matter of fact, research shows that people that um, do not have purpose, they actually, it it, um, lowers their mortality. Like it, it cuts off years of your life. I mean, that's, that's crazy. um, When we're not moving towards something. So I think continuously reinventing yourself is so important. And even talking to you, I'm inspired. I I get lazy in what I do to grow and get better. And, and when I say that, um, I know for a fact that if I would listen to my podcast or if I would go and refine and and maybe, you know, do some things on social media, it would help to market and to grow. And I go, yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> even listening to you, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, those are some goals I need to put down. Just listen to yourself. Cause I, I cringe. Um, did you do that when you were, do you go back and listen to when you're doing an auction or with your comedy to refine what you're doing? Yeah, it's very hard to. It's one of the hardest things in the world is to listen to your own voice and to listen to how you did because you catch all the things that you didn't do. But I definitely listen to them again as hard as it is. And, you know, I'll mark down what worked and what didn't work. And, oh, gosh, never say that again. Or that crazy thing worked really well. I could say that every time I walk on stage and get a laugh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you you do learn a lot from listening to yourself for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I don't do it enough. Oh, I know. Cause you just, I, you know, people will say, oh, you know, go, um, you know, watch other people or I, I, I think too, cause I'm, I'm also a trainer. So you're, you're doing so much research in that field that it's hard sometimes when you, when your temperament is to do too many things. <laughs> so you, mm-hmm. you have a tendency to have your hands in everything. And then that's not a good thing either because you, you don't do it with excellence. Sometimes you just are kind of moving forward. But one of the things uh, I just read recently is that right now, because we do live in a world of, you know, social media and just so many distractions that they're actually saying that distractibility is a huge, um, like almost part of a, the pandemic. It indicate research shows that um, they, they took a group of people and they would text them and ask 
them three questions like, what are you doing right now? Where is your mind right now? Is it focused on what you're doing or is it focused elsewhere? And at this very moment, how happy or unhappy are you? And I thought, wow, those are really good questions. And, and the average American adult spends 47% of her or, or his working life paying attention to what they are doing. So that means the other half, we're just kind of wandering <laughs> around going, huh, I think I'm just, you know, if you have space, if you have this white space, you just grab your phone and you start looking at TikToks or looking at Instagram, like you're mm-hmm. not really present. And how do you stay present? Like, how do you find those, those moments, you know, those tiny moments of joy or just those small, subtle wins at work? How, what are some tips there? Gosh, staying present at work can be hard with the whole distraction thing. Even just this morning, I got this exciting email. So I was like, oh, I want to put this calendar date in my calendar right now. And I grab my erasers and I'm doing this. And then my phone is blowing up about my girlfriends with their juicy love life stories of, oh, there's somebody <laughs> breaking up and doing something. And, and then I'm you know, trying to find my earbuds to prepare for this. And I'm like, gosh, I hope I don't write the wrong thing in the calendar. It can be, it can be pretty wild. I think yeah. Well, tell us, by the I- way. Because you did tell us on another episode, um, but tell us your exciting news, because that is really exciting. It's pretty fun. So one of my clients who works with uh, underprivileged youth in Los Angeles, we're building uh, education, better education for them, raising donations for that. Uh, We're holding our next funder. They are holding their next fundraiser at the SoFi Stadium where the Super Bowl was held. And our entertainment that evening is going to be Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. So I'm going to be on stage raising donations at the Super Bowl, SoFi Stadium with Dave Grohl. So that's going to be awesome. Obviously, I'm hoping to get a picture. So I'm excited. That'll be really fun. (laughs) That'll be fun. And at times like that, now those events and when I'm working, this is one of the things I love about comedy and auctions is that you don't have to deal with where's my mind, where's this? Like you have to be so laser beam focused when mm-hmm. you're performing that it's almost an out of body experience. You prepare so hard for it that you're not nervous, you're ready, but then you let go of all of that work and you just become a vehicle for your client and you just fly. And it's like, you almost don't know what you've done until you walk off the stage. Mm-hmm. And so I love that because it's, it's it's pure focus. It's you no distractions. It's wonder. It's like a Zen experience. It really is. But then you get to the point where it's, you know, normally nine to five or whatever it is that you're working at home and putting these things together. That's where the distractions come in. And I think it's just as we were talking about earlier, catching yourself or on a loop. You just got to be aware of what you're doing and go, oh, I just scrolled. I just scrolled and I'm looking at nothing. Stop it, Zan. Stop it, Zan. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Are you hitting yourself, yes. Zan? I can hear this. No, I'm, I'm clap, clapping my hands. Clapping oh, my hands. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm hitting them together. But um, yeah, you just got to catch yourself and, and just be aware and stop it and don't judge myself because these phones, everything on them, to me, they're like, and I'm not even, I am not a gambler. I'm not addicted to gambling. I don't even like casinos, but I do think that they're like little slot machines because mm-hmm. you scroll through them and you go, Oh, what's in it for me now? What am I about to win? Could I win? Could I win a like somebody likes what I've just posted or done? Or what if I can go in even and go support a friend and say, Oh, that's great. Congratulations with your new move. That makes me feel good that I could go support that person. Where's my hit of dopamine in this? 
And you've got all these apps where you could get hits of dopamine. So it is an addictive little phone. It really is. Oh, let me check my balance. Maybe a check came in. Maybe uh, let me go check email. Maybe a good gig came in. Maybe, you know, where am I going to get my hit of something feels good on this machine? And so you just keep flipping through, flipping through, flipping through, looking for the good. And, you know, that's fine to some degree, but you got to, you just got to catch it and put it down and go, okay, shake it off, get up, walk around. What, what, yeah. what should I be doing? <laughs> Let yeah. me grab one of these, you know, three books that I've ordered in the past month and haven't read about how to write, about how to write a book. Cause that's one of the other goals that I have is to finally write a book. Cause I've been through, I've done a lot in life and people always say, oh, you should write a book. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Blue Man Group, but I was one of the, I was the first woman Blue Man Group ever flew out to become a part of Blue Man Group. Oh, uh, it's I a drumming group. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. So that was like a big deal. So there's a story there, you know, whatever. There's all these different stories and stuff. And people are like, you should write a book. And so I'm finally writing a book, but it sure takes getting off scrolling about other people's books and other people's lives and everything to to do it, to sit at the computer and write. Or yeah. sit at your notebook and write. Yeah. When you when yeah. you're saying that there there's a quote uh, when you're talking about looking at everybody else's lives, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I started comparing my life to yours. You know, it's like one of those quotes <laughs> that's like, "Wow, I was having a good day until I got on Instagram and realized how horrible my life is." And there's something to be said about that. And once again, being aware of the wiring in our brain that we we can change it simply by in a bad way or in a good way. And you can do this, you know, while you're out walking, while you're having coffee or for you, you're deleting caffeine, but um, you can change the way your brain thinks just by incorporating whatever routine into your daily life to get healthy. Um, so we just have a couple minutes left. Okay. And I just want to say, um, such an honor to have you on and just for you to share your stories, your experience of what you're doing. I love just the discipline, how hard you're working in reinventing, continuously growing. What would be some other tips, like two tips to go, hey, if you're trying to start a new business or do something to reinvent yourself, what would it be? And then how can we find you? Sure. So I have a lot of friends who want to do something. They don't know what it is that they want to do. And I say, do what you would do for free. I would tell jokes for free. I would make people laugh for free. I would go perform on, you know, at the Super Bowl stadium with, with Dave, Dave Grohl for free. Do the things that you would do for free and figure out how to make money at them. There's got to be a way. So follow your bliss. I think it was Joseph Campbell who said, follow your bliss. And I agree with that 100%. As crazy as it may seem, if you go, well, you know, well, I don't know, I just enjoy reading books to, to children, then write a book for children and read it. If you enjoy talking to people, Oprah made a, a living out of talking to people. So find what you would do and do it for free and then actually do it. I've got so many friends who are like, oh, I want to be a singer. Well, why aren't you out? It's Saturday night. Why aren't you out singing somewhere? Well, I don't want to sing at this club and I don't want to sing at that club. Well, then you don't want to sing. If you wanted mm -hmm. to sing, you'd be out on a street corner singing. What is it that you want to do? So uh, find do what you would do for free and, and find a way to make a living at it and is, is just do it until somebody pays for it and be so good that they can't ignore you. That's what Steve Martin said was be so good. They can't ignore you. I love I like that. that. That's a great quote. Yeah. And yeah, we can find you at zanauctions at gmail.com or zanauctions.com. That's, right. That's perfect because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, 
Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.